Man, let's be dismissed, young people, quietly to your junior church hour, and let's turn to Genesis chapter 5, those that remain in the auditorium, Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5 this morning. I mentioned a couple weeks ago that sometimes we read through the genealogies or the lineages of the Bible and we kind of skip over some things. And I want to I just take some time this morning and look at one of those nuggets or one of those truths that we find in the Word of God tucked away in the genealogies. Genesis chapter 5 this morning, of course, is near the very beginning as a matter of fact, we will start with Adam in verse 1, and we'll make our way down uh, to 18, verse 18, and we're now in the seventh generation of history. And uh, there's some interesting things we'll bring out, but let's read the scripture first, Genesis chapter 5 and verse 18. The Bible says, And Jared lived 160 and two years, and he begat Enoch. I read these genealogies, and, and I'm going to be honest with you, it's difficult for me to understand why anybody wants a baby at 162 years old. I am 50, and I take a crying baby and I hand it to somebody else. And I, I don't know about these sleepless nights anymore, And uh, but praise the Lord for them. Look what it says. Jared was 162, and he had, uh, verse 18, and Jared lived 162 years, and he begat Enoch. And Jared lived after he begat Enoch 800 years, and he begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Jared were 960 and two years, and he died. And Enoch lived 60 and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Let's have a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that we have been reminded today through song of your death, your burial, your resurrection, and that you're coming again. And as Sarah just sang, we'll behold you face to face. What a wonderful truth. Lord, it is the, the blessed hope that we know that one day we'll see the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, I need your help today. I just feel, I just feel like I need an extra dose of your spirit. Lord, I pray that you'd help me as I work our way through this message, this time in your word, that you would bless your word especially. Lord, the things that I say don't matter so much if they are not filled with your Holy Spirit. And so God, I surrender to you and ask that you fill me. Lord, creating me a clean heart, O oh God, help me to deliver the message you've laid upon it. And Lord, I pray that others in this room would echo that same prayer, Lord, that they too need your spirit to teach them that you'd fill each one and help us to submit to the Word of God today. And so, Father, we thank you and praise you and ask you to do your perfect work. And, Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We read about a man in the Bible born of Jared named Enoch. I tell my message today is simply Enoch walked with God. Enoch was a unique man. When I say unique, I don't mean the one and only, but he's probably one of only two. Enoch and Elijah, who were caught away into heaven. And one day, praise the Lord, if, if we live at the return of the Lord, we too will experience that fate. Wouldn't that be wonderful? 
Somebody has said the upper taker is better than the undertaker. I would agree with that. Moment in a twinkling of an eye, caught up to forever be with the Lord. And not only will we forever be with the Lord, we'll put on a perfect body. This mortality shall put on immortality and this corruption shall put on incorruption. And we look forward to that day when we see Jesus face to face. The Bible says after that final judgment, God shall wipe away all tears from our eyes. I mentioned a few moments ago that we live in a culture of death. And we really do. But we also accompanied with that is a culture of sorrow. Culture of grief. Culture of pain and suffering. And all of it is because of a culture of sin. The Bible says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of themselves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. And we see it all laid out before us today that evil men shall wax worse and worse. And it seems like we are just hurtling ourselves towards the fulfillment of all these Bible prophecies. But all these years ago, Back at the beginning of time, some 400, and I believe it's about 62 years into the history of the world, a man is born by the name of Enoch. And somehow, in this culture that he lived, he managed to walk with God. Think about that. He said, well, that's, that's not maybe so unusual. He had Adam, he had Seth, and we see some people in his life. And as we look at this genealogy or this lineage today, it is often referred to as the godly line of Seth. Let's, let's back up there a little bit and let's read it together in verse 1. The Bible says this is the book of the generations of Adam. So we're starting right at the beginning. And Adam, of course, was the first man that God took the dust of the earth and breathed life into it and gave this man the name Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him, male and female created he them. Let me pause there for a moment. Male and female created he them. I'm not even preaching, brother. The word's speaking for itself, amen? You don't have to preach when the word of God says it. I don't, I don't have to say anything. I don't have to add any comments. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. Now I want you to notice that Adam and Eve created in the image of God. But Seth was created in the image of Adam. That's a fallen image. That's a sinful image. Romans chapter 5 says, As by one man sin entered the world, and so death by sin. We all have that image. We all bear the image of the first Adam, but praise to God, the second Adam came along, and the Bible says that Christ now liveth in me, and I can have the image of the second Adam, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ. The Bible says we were predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son. He wants us to be like Jesus, that we might have eternal life in him. And so the Bible says, Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. And the days of Adam after he begat, uh, begotten Seth were 800 years and he begat sons and daughters. You say, do you really believe all these years? Do you really believe all these years? 
Somebody said, well, maybe they made a mistake and it's not really years, but it's months. Here's the problem. Some of these children that were born unto them would have been born at 65 years old or 65 months, which is just five and a half years old. You don't bear children when you're five and a half. Understand this, that before the flood, the world was very different. The atmosphere was very different. Those things that, that, that beat down upon us today in our atmosphere and caused cancer and all these things and sickness and disease, they did not exist. And man lived a very long time. Man was created to be eternal. And he began to die the moment he sinned. So I believe with all my heart that men live to be these ages. And the Bible says in verse 5, And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. And that's not even the oldest man who lived. Noah was 950. Methuselah, 969. And Seth lived 105 years and begat Enos. And Seth lived after he begat Enos 807 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. And Enos lived 90 years and begat Canaan. And Enos lived after he begat Canaan 815 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enos were 905 years and he died. And Canaan lived 70 years and begat Mahaliel. And Canaan lived after he begat Mahaliel 840 years and he begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Canaan were 910 years and he died. And Mahaliel lived 65 years and begat Jared. And Mahaliel lived after he begat Jared 830 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Mahaliel were 890 and five years and he died. And Jared lived 160 and two years and he begat Enoch. And Jared lived after he begat Enoch 800 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Jared were 960 and two years and he died. And Enoch lived 60 and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God. After he begot Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. And Methuselah lived 870 years and begat Lamech. I want you to notice as we read the scriptures this morning that a pattern begins to emerge. The first six generations of human history, we read over and over again that Adam lived so many years and he begat Seth, 130 years, and he begat Seth. Then he lived another 800 years and had sons and daughters, and then he died. Then Seth lived so many years, and he begat a son, and he lived so many more years, and then he died. And on and on it goes for six generations until we come to Enoch. And the Bible says in the life of Enoch that he lived until he begat Methuselah. And after that, he walked with God. The Bible, when it gives his summary of his life, it does not say that he lived for so many more years. But the Bible says instead, he walked with God for 365 years. And he was not, for God took him. I think the point is very obvious as we read the scriptures today and we understand this. You can live, and you will die. That's a summary of a lot of lives, isn't it? We live, and we die. Or you can walk with God and live. You can live and die. I'm not not saying today that 
that Adam did not go to heaven. I'm not saying that Jehiel did not go to heaven, Mahaliel or Jared or any of the others did not go to heaven. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that their life was unremarkable in their relationship with God in the sense that they lived and they died. I would dare say that many of them had a closer relationship with God than even we do. Adam grew up understanding what the voice of God sounded like. He heard his voice in the garden. The Bible says that when Seth was born, he gave birth to a son named Enos. And in those days, men began to call upon the Lord. And, and so they walked with God and they strove to uh, had a desire in their life to know God. And yet at the end of his life, something was remarkable about Enoch. In that God added this comment, he walked with God. Can you imagine somebody putting that on your headstone? He didn't just live, he walked with God. I think that ought to be the desire of every believer here today. To say more that, that we did more than just live. I rattled off a bunch of verses earlier in the exhortation that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, and he that hath the Son of God hath life. And, and I talked about the life, but here's one I left out on purpose. Jesus Christ said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. We can have abundant life, and it's more than just living in Christ. It's walking with God, knowing his presence. I want to look at the scriptures a little deeply today, if, a little closer if we could, and I want you to think about some things that we can learn about Enoch. Now, I will say this. I'm normally very careful. I, I don't like preaching. Somebody will get up and say, well, what did David do in a time of crisis? And they'll give three things that David did. I don't care what David did. Because David might have been wrong. Unless God says it's right, David, David also had an affair with Bathsheba. We can't always examine the life of a man and say, this is God, unless God says, this is what you should do. Behave like David did, or act like Paul did, or follow the faith of this man. We ought to be very careful in examining the characters of the Bible because they were flawed and sinful people, just like you and I. But in the life of Enoch, we see the very blessing of God upon his life. We see the results and the fruit of his life that God rewarded him by taking him home. And so let's look a little closer and see how God interacted with Enoch and, and see how, how, how he got to this point where the Bible says he walked with God. I'm reminded when I read this passage of another character in the Bible by the name of Job, where God said to Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? A perfect and an upright man, one that escheweth evil. Can that be said about you? Can that be said about me? There was something special about Enoch that caused God to take notice of him in this genealogy. He's not mentioned very much in life or in the Bible. But let's look at the few times that he is. Number one, I want you to see, first of all, Enoch walked with God because he had a principled life. A principled life. I, I believe that Enoch was directed by godly wisdom. 
Look back, if you will, at Genesis chapter 4 and look at the end of the passage there. It says in verse 25, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son, and called his name Seth, for God said, She hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. And by the way, this is not their third-born child. I believe they've had many children by this time. This is just the one that was born first after Cain slew Abel. He said, how do you know that? Because Cain was afraid of wherever he went, there'd be other people who want to kill him. So obviously, population has already been growing for these 130 years, and, and several generations have been born to Adam and Eve, and, and they have married and had children of their own. So there was a mark put upon Cain that he might be, his life might be preserved when he came into contact with these other family members, by the way, that would want to take vengeance upon him. But notice what it says in the next verse, verse 26. And to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. I believe that Enoch was able to live a principled life because he was directed by godly wisdom. If we think about the influence that was in his life, you say, well, these were several generations before. This is seven generations ago. But understand this, when, when, uh, when he was born... Adam would still live another 300 years. Enoch was born and perhaps was even held by his great, 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 great grandfather Adam. And he said, well, what about Seth? Seth would live 430 more years beyond the birth of Enoch. That means he lived another 75 years beyond his death. Think about that. Enoch was influenced by some godly men of old that, that sought to seek after the Lord. And, and though they were sinners and though they were not perfect, they said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And they sought after God and they went to the Lord in prayer. The Bible says they called upon the name of the Lord. Now, listen, not all of us have had that benefit, have we? There is something that we ought to cherish and be thankful for when you have a godly heritage. Be thankful for that. I'm going to be honest with you, young people. Now listen to me. It pains me deeply when a young person grows up in the house of God and they go, I just don't want this anymore. They walk away from a godly heritage and parents that may not be perfect, but they're trying to do right and they're trying to teach you about Christ and trying to ingrain the word of God into your hearts. And, and all we can do is criticize that Sunday school teacher that messed up and get angry about that deacon that made a mistake and, and get all of so Listen, there's so much more good that is being invested in your life. And the Bible says this, charity covereth the multitude of sins. And I'm not saying we brush those things under the carpet and we, we hide them from public view. But I'm saying this, sometimes we see the little dot on the sheet instead of all the white. I grew up in an imperfect church. I did. I remember business meetings here discussing scandals that took place. I remember when I was 15 years old, Pastor Strachan at a special meeting said, if you're 15, stand up. And I stood up and Julie Felder stood up. She was 14, but she stood up because he only had one 15-year-old there that night. And he says, all right, you take all the kids, you two, and you go babysit them. We have to have a meeting here. I'm so glad I wasn't part of that meeting. But I remember those times. I did not grow up in a perfect church. You know the old adage, right? If you find a perfect church, you better not join it. You'll ruin it. And it's so true. But I'm thankful for the foundation I received. 
I'm thankful for Sunday school teachers that taught me about Jesus. I'm thankful for parents that brought me to church faithfully. I'm thankful for the academy. I came here for one year and learned a lot. I'd, I'd have got thrown out of Bible college if I didn't come to the academy for a year. I learned a little bit. I didn't know the yes sir and the yes ma'am and all that. I had to learn all that. I'm thankful for it. And I'll, and I'll be the first to say we're not, we weren't perfect then. We're not perfect now. If you're looking for something to pick apart, you'll find it, young people. But I'm going to tell you, be thankful for a goodly heritage. Your parents aren't perfect. I hope I didn't shatter your illusions if you think they are. But I'm telling you, be thankful. They have a family that prays around the dinner table. They have a mom and dad that love one another and love Jesus. We have a lot of bus kids that come in here, and I wonder sometimes, will they ever make it? You want to know the ones that make it? The ones that people in the church say, I take a special interest in them. So I'm going to invest in them. They may not have a heritage at home, but they'll have a heritage here. They love on those kids, and they pray for those kids. And My, my wife's a bus kid. And it was a Sunday school teacher, Mrs. Collins, or a bus captain, Mrs. Collins, right, that, that invested in her life. And several times over the years, we've been able to go back to that little home in Lubbock, Texas, and, and see Mrs. Collins. She's gone home to be with Jesus now. And my wife has thanked her over and over again for investing in her life. Be thankful for a goodly heritage. These guys weren't all perfect. They did not make the Hall of Fame if we were to judge the words of Scripture that they walked with God. But there was some godly wisdom that directed them. But I want to say this, and this is important. Listen to me now. Enoch was directed by godly wisdom, but he was dedicated to a godly walk. At some point in his life, Enoch said, I believe it, now I have to live it. Enoch is not rewarded the way he was because of his forefathers. He was rewarded because he walked with God. He made a decision. I'm not a Christian because of my family. I'm not a Christian because I go to church. I, I have a godly heritage, but that doesn't, that doesn't help me all that much. I'm an adult now, and I must walk with God. The Bible says that the word Enoch, and the name, you know what the name Enoch means? It means dedicated. I don't think that's a coincidence. The names of the characters of the Bible often describe characteristic traits in their life. And Enoch, I don't know if he was born with that name, but at some point he was called dedicated. And he dedicated himself to walking with God. He made a decision that I can't just rest on my family's faith, but instead I have to make it a priority to walk with God. Have you made that decision? Have you decided how important it is to walk with God? And so I, I want to just say this morning, first of all, that as we think about Enoch, I believe he had a principled life. He decided in his heart that he was going to walk with God. And though he was directed perhaps as a young man, maybe even Adam told him stories of the garden and, and how he had heard the, the voice of God. And maybe Seth can say to him, I remember the revival that we had in those days when we began to call upon the name of the Lord and, and God began to stir in our hearts. And, and maybe Enos even, it was in the times that he was born that they had those revivals. But at some point in his life, Enoch says, I... I have to walk with God. Not only do you have a principled life, turn to Hebrews chapter 11. I want you to see, secondly, he had a pleasing life. He had a life that pleased God. We don't see Enoch a whole lot of times in Scripture. 
about five different mentions. He's in First Chronicles and part of the genealogies. He's in the book of Matthew, or sorry, in the book of Luke, as part of the genealogy of Joseph, the earthly father of the Lord Jesus Christ. But in Hebrews chapter 11, we read about him in this chapter we call the faith chapter. The Bible says in verse 5, but by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. Understand, I don't believe what the scripture is saying to us today that Enoch sat around praying that I'd be translated. God, just take me home. I don't want to die. I believe with all my heart, God. I believe, I, I believe that you will come and just take me. It never happened before, but I, that's not the kind of faith it's talking about. He simply lived a life of faith, and God chose to translate him. Notice what it says. By faith, verse 5, Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had, tra- I like that, was not found. Everybody looking around, where did Enoch go? <laughs> where is he? Hey, one day there will be a rapture. One day the trumpet will sound. There's going to be people looking around saying, where did they go? And we can only pray that God will speak to their heart in that moment and say, they told us that this was going to happen. And he was gone. He was not found because God had translated him. For before, listen, for before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now, don't miss this. This is all one paragraph. Verse 5 and 6 are one paragraph. We often like to pull verse 6 out and say, this is, this is but without faith it is impossible to please him. He is speaking directly about Enoch. It is one paragraph. So by faith, Enoch was translated. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Enoch lived a life of faith and it was pleasing to God. And God gives us the other side of the coin. He says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So we see, first of all, Enoch pleased God. His faith was pleasing to God. Before he was translated, that's important, by the way. Sometimes I, I, uh, I, I'm a preacher, so I hear words. I listen to how people speak. And here's what people say all the time. Yeah, I was talking to so-and-so before they died. Well, no kidding. If you talked to them after they died, I'd be worried about you. But they always throw in that before they died, like I was too stupid to understand that had to have happened before they died. But we say it all the time. We all do it. I was talking to so-and-so before they died. Okay. But the scripture knows I'm stupid. Can you say stupid from the pulpit? I'll step over here. So it says, before he was translated, he pleased God. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Enoch had a life that pleased God, and he proved himself to God through faith so that God translated him. He did not receive a reward, and God said, I'll clean you up when you get up here. I'll fix all these problems, and we'll make your life right. But he received this particular reward that nobody else received except Elijah because of a life that pleased God. I cannot make you that promise today. (laughs) 
I'm going to tell you what, you guys, you would roast me if I said, listen, just please God, he'll come and take you. Just, you won't have to die. He'll just, he'll just suck you up into the air. He'll send a chariot of fire, just like, you would roast me. Because it only happened twice in history. But I will say this, you live a life that pleased God, he will reward you. It's a rewarding life. He had this testimony That means while on earth his life gave evidence or proof and he testified with the way he lived that he was pleasing to God because he lived a life of faith. Enoch pleased God. You say, well, how did he please God? It says right there. Enoch pleased God, but Enoch's pursuit was God. Look at verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a what? Rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It's one paragraph. This is a, uh, both a general statement, but it's also a specific statement. The Bible says he's a rewarder of them. Not just Enoch, but of them that diligently seek him. And, but he's referring back to verse 5 when he says Enoch was a man of faith and his faith pleased God. And without faith it is impossible to please God. For God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And we get the understanding there that Enoch walked with God because he was a pursuer of God. He sought him out. He says, I, I want to know this God that Adam heard from. I want to know about this God who created the heavens and the earth. My fifth great-grandfather, Seth, he's, he's got great stories that his father passed to him. And Enos has even more stories because of that revival that took place. And I, I, I want to I I glean from that and I want to get closer to God. I want to know this God. And he was in pursuit of him his whole life. And as a result, he was rewarded. He was a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Enoch's pursuit was God. But listen to this. Enoch's prize was God. Well, what did he get? He got God. God translated him. See, why do you have to translate him? Where translate has two different meanings. It can mean move from one place to another but it can also mean to change. Here's why God translated him in both definitions of the word. He moved from earth to heaven, but he also changed him because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. God did something to him and changed him. And uh, I, I don't know, at 365, does anybody know what 365 feels like? How many of you know what 65 feels like? I, I, I gotta guess that he had a few aches and pains. You know, even now, I, I sprained my ankles so bad when I was a 7 or 12 years old. I was growing so fast and my body couldn't keep I sprained my ankles real bad. And every once in a while now, on a cold day, my, my foot kind of turns sideways. My wife is saying, your foot's turning as you're walking. I said, I know, it's arthritis or whatever. Imagine that 300 years from now. The aches and the pains and they grow. But Enoch was translated. He was given something different and he moved into the presence of God. There was something. But his reward, you say, well, I, I'm going to memorize all these verses so I can win a Bible. 
I'm going to do this. Listen, we ought to spend our lives in pursuit of God to be pleasing to God because he is our reward. I, I love that song Sarah sang today, We Shall Behold Him. You can, you can talk about a mansion. You can talk about a street of gold. You can talk about a gate of pearl. I want to see Jesus. That's what I want. All those other things, that's just icing on the cake. I want Jesus. And Enoch realized my prize is God. He is our exceeding reward. Be careful to seek after him only. So he had a pleasing life. I want you to turn to the book of Jude. We see him one more time. In the book of Jude, I want to make a point here. It's right before the book of Revelation. You say, why is it back there? Well, I believe because it's a prophetic book. We see thirdly, Enoch lived a principled life, a pleasing life, but he lived a prophetic life. And I don't want to focus on the prophecy because that's going to take us in a different direction than I'm trying to make a point with today. But I want you to see something. He lived a prophetic life. Look at verse 14. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. There is an apocryphal book by the name of the book of Enoch. It was not included as the canon of Scripture. There's some things in it that they didn't believe lined up with the Word of God. But Jude actually is quoting from the first chapter of that book when he says that the Lord will return with ten thousands of his saints. Think about this. The year Enoch was born is about the year 620, right around there. 600 years of human history, so how long ago? About 5,400 years ago, approximately, give or take a, a, a millennia, I guess, I don't know. Probably about 54, 5,300 years ago, he was already prophesying that Christ is coming. God is returning with ten thousands of his saints. We read in Revelation chapter 19 that the amen, the faithful, and the true will return with ten thousands of his saints. Jude had a special insight. It is believed, as a matter of fact, that when Methuselah was born, that Enoch named him Methuselah because his name means this, when he dies, judgment comes. Do you know when Methuselah died? The year of the flood. Is that a coincidence? Some believe that Enoch prophesied when he named him Methuselah. We don't know. We have no scripture to prove that. Only his name. But listen, here's the point. Here's the point. We talk about his prophecy. It was a message of jubilation. The Lord shall return. It was a message of judgment that he will come to judge the ungodly. But here's the thing. I, I, don't, I don't even want to get into his prophecy this morning. Here's what I want to say. Enoch walked so close with God 
that God gave him a special insight into his word. Think about that. How many of you know that those times you're closest to the Lord, the Bible comes alive? You can open the Bible. There are times you read the Bible and you say, I'm just not getting it. I'm just not understanding it. And there's other times you can go back and read that very same passage and God just speaks to your heart and moves. I'm saying here this morning that Enoch walked with God in such a way that the Word of God was alive to him. I, I don't even know how, how it happened. Enoch's just walking with God and God maybe is just laying out the plans for the future. And Enoch's just eavesdropping. And God is just saying to his son, the word that's walking with him. Oh, one day you'll return and one day with thousands of your saints and one day you'll judge the world and Enoch's just writing it all down. He has such a closeness with God that his perception of the word of God was unmatched in those days. We do not read in the scriptures anywhere else the prophecies of Adam, the prophecies of Seth, Enos, Jared, Mahaliel, Methuselah, none of them. But we read about the prophecies of Enoch in the book of Jude. You see, what's the difference? Enoch walked with God. He said, well, preacher, I just struggle to understand the word sometimes, and I just under struggle to understand what the Spirit is speaking to me and leading me and guiding me, and I, I have a trouble making decisions. I pray about them, but let me ask you, are you walking with God? For whatever reason, because Enoch walked with God, God just opened up the heavens for him, allowed him to see some things, gave him an insight into the word of God. I, I listen, let's be very careful. I'm not just saying today that if you start walking with God, all of a sudden you're going to become a prophet like Elijah or a prophet like John the Revelator. But what I'm saying is God's Holy Spirit will be so in your life that you'll understand and grow like you've never grown before. People will be drawn and say, I, I, need, you to, I need you to pray for this. I used to say years ago, when we were in Hamilton, people would come to my wife with prayer requests all the time because they knew her prayers got answered. Are you somebody like that? They just say, hey, this, this guy just walks with God. He's so in tune with the Holy Spirit of God and he's just, just on par with what God wants in his life that that's somebody I want to hear from and learn from and sit at their feet and when they open the word of God I, I can just hear the wisdom of God and I can hear the spirit of God moving in my own heart. How about you Sunday school teacher? Is it a delight to sit in your class? Or is it just routine? Are you walking with God? I'm telling you this. Years ago, I'll share an illustration. Years ago, there was a young man that I know that he has autism, high-functioning autism, and it causes him to be focused on certain things, fixated. He loves history. And uh, he, was, he was talking to me one day, and he got going on about, about uh, World War II in this tank or something. And I mean, that's fine. We were at a revival meeting, and he was talking, and he went on for about 15 minutes. 
just kept going. And I can't remember the name of the Asperger's, I guess it is. Or, and his dad walked by and he said, hey, 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 hey. He says, that's the Asperger's. And he went, oh. He said, I'm fixated on something again. He apologized to me. I said, it's fine, it's fine, it's good. But I also saw that young man fall on his face before God in that service. Worship the Lord. And I heard the highest compliment ever paid a human being towards that young man. I, I, he's about 23 or 24 now, but he was only 16 or 17 at the time. And it was Tony Shirley, preacher that's coming next week, that paid the compliment. He said, that young man has the touch of God on his life. Isn't that a compliment? Is there any greater compliment? That you would have the touch of God. Enoch had the touch of God. And God opened up his word and spoke to his heart. You see, Enoch never had to worry much about stuff because he knew how it was all going to play out. God's in control. Jesus is returning. He'll take care of this. It's such a peace when the Holy Spirit comes in. When you walk with God, you'll know his presence. Let's bow this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. Speak to our hearts, we pray. Lord, I pray you just take this feeble effort and speak to our hearts. Lord, how desperately we need to walk with you and to know you, to know your presence, to feel your peace. I can't help but think that the world was already progressively getting worse. They were moving towards Noah's flood, the judgment of God. Perhaps Enoch already knew about it as he named his son Methuselah and knew about the judgment of God that would come. And yet God spoke peace to his heart by letting him know that he was in control of all things. That one day Jesus would return and set all things straight. Father, sometimes we worry and we fret, but God has not given us a spirit of fear. Perhaps we just need a renewed walk with you. So move upon our hearts today, we pray. Help us to be a faithful people that love you, serve you, walk with you day by day. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand this morning, heads bowed and eyes closed. Are you walking with God? If you live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Enoch walked with God. Maybe there's one here today say, Preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. If I were to die today, I don't know that I'd have eternal life. Jesus has come, and he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by him. If you come to Jesus, he that hath the Son hath life, but he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Do you know Jesus is your Savior today? Do you know God? Let us help you. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I promise you that. I won't call out anybody's name. But if you slip up your hand with everybody's head bowed and eye closed, nobody will see you. I just want to pray for you. That's all I want to do. I just want to ask God to help you understand what it means to have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Is there one? I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. Would you pray for me? Is there one?